Oh, there you are. Well, I'm glad you made it. Uh, this this could be good. I think we could have an interesting uh, compilation of sounds, weirdo music, and who knows what else. And uh, yeah, that is an experiment. I have somewhere over here. Hang on. Oh, there it is. Uh, this notebook, which. Let's see, I guess the best way of... Oh, it's it, it's even got dates in it. Oh, my. Yeah, I pulled this one out of uh, the small pile of surviving notebooks that exist. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's... God, what a list. Uh, <laughs> random list. Artichoke, broccoli, chicken, quiche. Well, maybe it's not a list. Maybe that is a single entity there. Uh, somebody's phone number and about an apartment. And Tom told me, okay, but Tom, 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 the Piper's son. And yes, the date on the first page, kids, is September 21st, 97. Oh boy, yeah. I think, yeah, I think this is mostly the beginning of some relationship that I had in the late nineties. Well, uh, like I say, uh, we're going to have the. Uh, I'm gonna skim around through this, and uh, perhaps uh, some of it uh, that this will either be good or me skipping a bunch of things uh, as a regular exercise in talk. Yeah. And we will have some sort of inclusion. I'm thinking Gene Shepard right now. Uh, I think a, a good shepherd would go a long way. It just... I need to get used to the idea that there's a rhythm to these shows. And I feel when I put a shepherd episode in, that somehow needs to be counterbalanced and, you know, normally, I mean, when you include a 15-minute, a 10-minute something like a Vic and Sade, a little old radio piece, that's, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, a Shepherd is usually, what, three times the length of that. And that's, it's a different thing, and maybe you need to break it up. And I probably don't. The whole idea that I interrupt things in the middle and then go back to them. Uh, I know people like J Jet Drove Jimbo absolutely crazy. And luckily, I never generally cut into the middle of a Vic and Sade episode because I think he would have gone even more prematurely from uh, aggravation or something. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. When I'm presenting something and I feel my shows have a certain rhythm and a texture, when I just lay, you know, it's like why I don't do a show where I'm playing normally uh, a half hour, 40 minutes of just my music uh, straight through with nothing in the middle. It's, I am going for a certain, in my head, night radio feel and yes there is night radio that 
somebody is just doing the same tone for almost three, four hours, and that's a type of night radio. Maybe I'm going for night radio, but the channels are moving around. This, this, this is getting interesting, and I'm sure from your end it sounds like I'm just driveling. So I'll do some more cogitating and play you this. <laughs> Lost in proverbial tumble and toss. Nothing to boast if you're singing hymns to a ghost. I can't really say, but this is to be growth and decay. Sometimes it's just the judgment of logic and lust. So yeah, the meaning does get lost in proverbial tumble and tossed. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I'm looking at this notebook. And yeah, it's mostly the beginning is like big slabs of writing about the she and all that and things like difficult to write when I'm in such a pleasant state. Even more tough is getting a beat on this. My limited emotional experience makes it mysterious, but I suppose it ever is. But I am so very taken. Yada, 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 yada. So, what does this stuff in Paradigm do to the writing? The art, the answer is, softens as it shines. I am changing and drastically looser-shouldered, sort of stunned, but in an oh-so-pleasant way. Urgency focuses and has a splendid view. Uh, it's body chemicals, yada da yada da yada da Let's see. Um, oh, a drawing by uh, my son from way back of Melvin the Mouse. Ah, yes. It's a <laughs> What a strain. Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of doodles in these things. Oh, here we go. Just some funny stuff. 
you know, hanging around uh, the cafe, there was a certain type that would roll in and out of our uh, general cafe clique. And uh, they were all kind brother, but there was just the one true kind brother, you know, with the, and the drawing, it's the bandana on the head and the beard and the, there's a little word balloon going to him, to kind brother saying, yo, do you like my stuff got all wet camping out in the arroyo in the rain and like I need a few quarters to run my stuff through the dryer and that's in my handwriting and then in somebody else's handwriting under and like dude if you really like respect me you'll like help me with this cause I I like dude really respect you and you know like karma and all that cause you know like you're my brother and hey if you're cool you'll like help me it could rain like on you man yeah golden golden material let's see what is this a drawing of uh grovel homes is that a new pseudonym or something uh i'm not sure but uh, yeah, and a bunch of chords written down here for something with no explanation. Uh, time passing. Yep, 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 yep. Seppy, crappy. Ah, yes, and at the same time, Pleshaw and I are moving into a spot on Agua Fria near Javi. Now, Javi was uh, part of the crowd and an organ player in many bands and a pretty good singer. And he was the great-grandson or grandson of the founder of the National Geographic Society, Gilbert Grosvenor. Uh, yeah, the, the, it was just so weird, the people that turned up and it turned out that you were just kind of sitting there with as if they were a regular person and uh yeah we it was that little compound there we were right next to um yvette uh and copper who i eventually moved into the front part with copper but this is all just like cluttered and disconnected information that uh, is certainly god yeah just Sitting bored in a cafe, writing, writing, writing. I don't think that somebody did my astrological chart. Yeah, this is definitely a documentation of the Santa Fe life. And another uh, doodle by... Oh, look at that. I think that's a Jules saying face up. And it's an upside down face. Uh, old Moscow crystal, whatever the heck that means. I don't know. These very strange phrases sometimes. Oh, a couple of email addresses that I apparently got off of the internet at the public library. Because at this point, I don't know that I had owned my own home on the internet computer yet in 1997. I think it's dubious. I was going to the public library 
in my spare in my spare time. And yes, some high school friends' emails. People I'm still not in touch with, but no great horrible. Ah, yes, and uh, yes, that was the address, 1203 Agua Fria. You know, kinds of other information and uh, gigs. And there is a point in humanness. I mean, as a male, my entire chemistry is aimed towards sex, and yet I never find comfort or satisfaction in being the aggressor. Yeah, oh boy, yep. Yadda 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 yadda. Who's ever gonna read this stuff? And this is the good stuff. I threw out uh, and with pleasure burned any number of notebooks. And oh boy, is that somebody's social security number? Why would I have that? That's crazy. Uh, bad poetry. The end of the tunnel turns into a funnel you gotta squeeze through to the light. In order to fit, you've gotta dump shit. All you can bring is insight. Uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty bad. That is pretty awful. Ah, yes. The, 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 at one point, I had this idea for a band name. Solid Black barcode and yes I'm trying to do a logo here that's very poor very poor oh a list of uh, DJs that uh, appeared at uh, I would imagine somebody you got uh, the lineup of DJs for this rave is uh, Donovan, G Mosquito, Vortex, Melanie, Word, Snow, and Flowbug. Oh yeah, I mean, let's... I was sitting around in the cafe completely puzzled by the whole thing as the uh, rave movement, so to speak, uh, came through. And uh, you know, a little doodle of... Uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of cross-hatching. Deadly clip art. It, yeah, some of these phrases are kind of interesting. I do have to give you that. But, uh, yes, let's... Uh, let, let's. Uh, I, I said we were going to do some Shepard. It doesn't sound like a bad idea to counteract this dribble. So uh, let's have a master at uh, talking do some.
<laughs> oh, I can hardly wait. Oh, it's so exciting to be on the radio. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> There's a letter here. It says, last night, Shepard, you were hilarious. Saturday morning, you were very scholarly. And then she goes on to contradict herself completely. She says, youth is so knowledgeable. Who are you talking about, honey? What's this business? When was I scholarly? Oh, it's terrible. What do you mean, hilarious? This is a serious attempt to get at the basic problems that face mankind. Mankind. Hey, by the way, speaking of the basic problems that face mankind, and I, you know, I have this little department that I, I continually run here, which I put into my great vast file of trivia. Hello, test. Hello. Oh, that's better, isn't it? Hello, test. Hello, test. Listen to Shepherd boy. God, listen to that. Now, I have this uh, thing that I keep in my uh, vast file of trivia, and that is commercials I want to follow up after watching. Really? You, you have a little one like that yourself? Have you noticed this one where these this this poor innocent guy, he's obviously spent you know he's obviously spent twelve million dollars and his whole life has been directed at taking this great vacation which finally he and his wife are going to spend on Hawaii. Have you seen that one? The guy gets off the plane or the ship or whatever it is, and he's with his wife and there's beautiful Hawaii. You know that you can see the palm trees going back and forth and you hear doo doo. You know, it's beautiful Hawaii. And this Hawaiian chick comes running up, and she puts this lay around his neck, and she says, Oh, ring around the collar, ring around the collar, ring around the collar. Once again, the tragedy of mankind being rejected by his fellow man. Oh, where is love today? Lost and gone. Oh, where? Hello, 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 just reset Beatty there. Reset Ludwig. Yes, and I saw that commercial scene. She's singing, ring around the collar, ring around the collar. Ooh, I wanted to hit that baby right in the mouth. Right in the ding-dong, I'd like to give her a shot. That poor guy. It was bad enough when, remember that lady, that every time she'd open the, the drawer of her bureau there, You'd hear, ring around the collar, ring around... Oh, ring around the collar. Bum, 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 bum. Of course, you know, we got a lot of things we have to face here these days. There's no doubt about it. We're all part of it, friends. All part of this vast melange of whatever it is that's going on. Like tonight, I think we ought to honor George Plimpton. After all, this is the age of pretending, right? And uh, I, I, th I wonder how many people realize, and I wonder how he, if he, somewhere up there in that great vast heaven, that Valhalla, where writers go when their day is done on this earth, I wonder how James Thurber, how Jim Thurber feels. He created the whole thing, you know. I mean, you know, Walter Mitty, he created Walter Mitty, and old Walter's standing around the street corner there, remember, imagining he's all this stuff. And uh, now it's come to pass. Walter Mitty's a top leading light of our time, pretending everything, of course. And I see that George is now going to pretend he's going to shoot a lion. Did you read that one? Yeah, it's very exciting, pretending that. Of course, he's already pretended that he was a Detroit lion. And uh, you notice all the position he plays, every position he pretends he plays, is a position where it is almost impossible to get clobbered at. Realize that, of course. You get down and you throw two passes for the Detroit Lions... You just got to get that ball, throw it real quick, see, and nine guys stand in front of you and block out for you. It's not not hard to get hit, you know. And uh, you notice that he did not pretend to be a defensive tackle? 
That's another ball game. Another ball game. He pretended he played golf, and he pretended he was a pitcher. I noticed he didn't pretend he was a third baseman. Yes, sir. Yes, George Plimpton plays third against Frank Robinson, swinging a heavy back. He's playing third against Brooks Robinson, who's known to belt him down that third baseline like a white bullet. And there he is. George moves in fast. It's a hard shot down the third baseline. There, it takes a bad hop, and he's down. He's down, folks. Uh, <laughs> that would be a great show. I'm sorry. Pretended he was a cymbal player. You notice he didn't pretend he was the first first violinist where you can really get shot down if you're in an orchestra, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's... Uh, that's I, I must say, uh, one thing about him, though, he's, uh, I, it's got to come. It's got to come. I mean, he's always playing a sport where already they need, you know, they need publicity, so you know, it gets a big. So it has to come. What, what, what the, what the institution of our time is in trouble, really? Right, the church, huh? Right. Can't you just see the day when the NBC announces a new special? George Plimpton is Pope for a day. Yes, you've seen George Plimpton play quarterback for the Detroit Lions. You've seen him pitch for the Yankees. You've seen him place the symbols with the NBC Symphony. And now watch George as he blesses the pilgrims who come to the Vatican. Watch George as he makes an interdiction. Watch George as he plays Pope for a day. All the excitement of the costume, the uniforms, the medieval glory and pageantry of the church will be yours as seen through the eyes of lovable George Plimpton. See George Plimpton address the College of Cardinals. See George Plimpton as he blesses the multitude on Palm Sunday. See George Plimpton as he makes an announcement in Latin denouncing man's inhumanity. Yes, a special NBC program brought to you as a public service. George Plimpton is Pope for a day. I could just see three ages. My God, what an idea! Oh, that's great. Get George on the phone. That's fantastic. How do you like that? <laughs> you like my idea about uh, George playing Pope for the day? You know, it's got to come. It's got to come. Just think of the publicity and everybody can love it. Dee, dee, dee. Well, of course, uh, some things you can pretend and other things it's just, you know, bad news. George Plimpton plays Undertaker for a day. Dee, dee, dee. <laughs> As he presides over... Well, uh, of course, uh, this that's all part of the uh, thing that's going today. Almost every... You know, I just came back from Los Angeles. I guess that's why I've been thinking about that. You know, you can walk along Los Angeles, any given street, particularly along Sunset, any of those places, and in five minutes you can see more costumes of past ages go past you, future ages, past ages. And they wonder everybody's having trouble trying to figure out any, you know, what his identity is, what century you live in. Oh, yeah. I sat, uh, you know, it's the newest thing out there is to dress like a nun. But, yeah, that's a whole new bet. Yeah, that's considered very hip. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's true. Now, it sounds like I'm, you know, Shepherd's being rotten again. But I'm just telling you the truth. And I, I went to this restaurant with this guy, and there were three ladies sitting over there, see, all dressed in nun-type habits, see, but very hip-looking habits. And they had crosses and all that stuff. And I said, I said to my friend, I said, gee, that's interesting, you know, these... 
nuns coming to a swinging place like that, you, know, you can smell pot smoke coming out of the kitchen, you know, and everything. Once in a while, a, a high-pitched giggle would come out of the men's room. Better be careful about some of you. Know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting there seeing this. He said, what do you mean? We're, we're nuns? I said, yeah, over there. He said, well, ain't the nuns? He says, that's a nuns. That's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of chicks around town here. That's a new thing, man. Uh, this is W.O. No, I, this is too early, isn't it? Too early. We have, uh, let's see, yeah. Oh, that, let's see. We have an important announcement here for you. Savers, did you get a dividend credit to your account, your savings account, on the 31st of January? No? Well, you would have if you were a depositor at the Providence Savings Bank in Jersey City. It's the oldest savings bank in New Jersey. Because all Providence Savings Bank savers get their 5% a year dividend posted to their account on the last day of the month, and that means every month, 12 times a year. It's a 5% a year from day of deposit, which incidentally is the highest dividend rate allowed by law. And so that's how, you know, you just, your account grows. You don't have to wait for the end of a six-month period or even a quarterly period for your dividend. So if you'd like to get in on this and find out about it, by the way, there are over 82,000 Provident savers from all over the USA, and they know that Provident has not missed a dividend paying in 132 years. So get on the shtick there. Ask for Provident Savings Bank Postage Free Bank by Mail Kit. It's a great kit. Just write Provident, and it says name of personality. That's me, Shepard, WOR, New York, 10018. That's Provident, WOR, New York. And you can call them. You know, their, their phones are open. They're ready to send you that bank-by-mail kit right now. Give them a call at MU2-6800. Operators are standing by. MU2-00. No, MU2-6800. And they're a member of the FDIC. Okay. Now I can say it. It is WOR, New York. Wow. Oh, we just got a call from George Plumpton's agent saying, Would I like to play what? Oh, no, no, I don't have the bishop quality. I, I, I'm a simple little humble parish priest, me. You know, working down here among the simple folk. Yes, with my sackcloth and ashes. If you will, Herbert, I think a little note of, uh, of quiet contemplation now. Do you have it set up there for me? A little note of quiet contemplation as I contemplate the infinite. And uh, wondering, you know, who's going to pretend what next? Have you had a, have you had the the vague suspicion that everybody's pretending he's everything anyway? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, is Nixon a real president? Or you know, does he go home at night and say to his wife, "Boy, I pulled it off again," you know? Boy, it's great, uh, just really great. You know, I've got them all. I mean, they all really, I really look like one, especially with that dark suit on. You know, a little quiet music there. Yes. Marching forward, mankind, marching, 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 always hoping, building pyramids, erecting great, great statues. First it's the Leaning Tower of Pizza, and then it's the Sphinx. And all the while, the quiet lily pad bobs up and down on the limpid stream of yon polluted river. Yes, and underneath that polluted stream, deep down there among the old tin cans and the Sinclair oil drums, you will notice the lowly carp. We're just playing it cool and close to the best. Yes, he's been living on pollution all of his life, and he loves it. He just drinks it in there, man, and that makes him fatter and fatter and fatter. So tonight, we thought we'd salute not only George Plimpton, but the lowly carp. Carp. Two carp. 
Uh, look it up in your dictionary. Two carp. It has several meanings. Two carp. He carp. He was a carp. He caught a carp. C A R P. As in, uh, as in, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. As in, uh, <clears throat> Poindexter. Bring it up. You know who he was. He, he, he was a general who lost a terrible battle just outside of, uh, no, where was it? Yes, that's right. It was just outside of Lexington, Massachusetts. General Poindexter. And by the way, he got shot running away from the battle. And they got him in a very embarrassing spot in a 250-pound uniform, beautiful uniform. I've already made the station break. Have to do it again for Jerry? Oh, why doesn't he come in and do it himself? That's Jerry all the time. I wonder if he says that to John Gambling. I doubt it. Poor Jerry. Like hell you do, Fred. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get back to your hot plate, friend. And I want that medium rare. I'm flinging the gallet right in his mug. Hold it there. That's enough. That's enough. That's kind of nice, wasn't it? I mean, you know, floating on <laughs> on a limpid pool like that. Yeah, that 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 seems to be uh, have been be be being uh, a good decision. I I, I like how that work is working out for all of us. That that, that felt good, and uh, I I choose these episodes for various random reasons, but this time we completely lucked out because uh, I am imagining that most people will be listening to this sometime in my tomorrow, which would be February 3rd, 2022. Oh yeah, 232023. Uh, yeah, all these twos and ones and threes at the, in dates since the begin well since the beginning of the decade but yeah it's getting weirder and weirder but uh yes two three twenty two and the episode that we are listening to is from exactly 30 years ago that is two three nineteen seventy two so yeah 30 50 years ago oh man i'm just 30 years ago i'm living in some weird time warp there's just no question about it in so many ways i mean he's talking about nixon and uh, pretending to be a president and meanwhile uh, watergate still hasn't broken what is it a few months after this maybe even sooner uh, sometime in the spring it's february everything for nixon uh, is looking fairly good. I guess he's anticipating his re-election. And this is before nowadays. I mean, the campaign didn't start six months ago. Uh, it, it, most people spend the bulk of their term campaigning for the next term. It's just kind of weird. And Herbert is the engineer. And I'm th it, it's hard to keep track of all his engineers. I think he burned through a lot of them. He was pretty harsh on those guys. And I think some of them had a good sense of humor about it. And uh, some of them were not going to take that. And why couldn't banks pay more interest than 5% if they so desired? What was that all about? And George Plimpton, 
uh, yeah, he was an interesting guy because he would dabble in things. He, he yeah, he uh, went through all this and was a quarterback for a couple plays for the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think he tried to be an astronaut. Uh, yeah, he would like jump in and do things and write books about it. And finally, just like wound up being some sort of uh, commentator on PBS, if I recall correctly. And those ads, I remember those ads. The, the ring around the collar ads. Ring around the collar. Those dirty rings, you try scrubbing them out. You try soaking them out. And you still have... Ring around the collar. Yeah. Uh, I think the... Pro what was... Oh. Whisk, W-I-S-K, I believe. I'm not sure. This, this is an example, like a lot of things. People remember your catchphrase and your jingle, but neither contains the name of your product. So, you know, and it's like I'm going to walk. I'll just buy whatever I see on the shelf. I'm not going to ask the person behind the counter. Oh, uh, I, I want the ring around the collar one. Uh, yeah. So... It's, yeah, you, you got to catch people's brains and make sure you also somehow connect with them in that way or you're going to have some trouble. As sure as it gets. And uh, musically, uh, I, I, I'm just tossing this out there. I am just beginning to explore a guitarist who did a lot of interesting and abstract and fun and experimentally prog rocky things named Steve Hillage uh, associated with bands like Gong. Uh, yeah, uh, I, there will be more said, I believe, unless uh, he's one of those, you know, sometimes you listen to somebody and like for the first few times, it's like, wow, this is great. And unlike the ones that are the keepers uh the farther you get into it you know the, the things like this guy is playing the same song for 40 years yeah those kind of things oh man uh and uh, in the, let's look at a couple more things in this notebook this is a prototype for a flyer earth weeks coming spring 98 the El Reyes de Cafés Tour, which in Spanish means the Kings of the Cafés. The original Fido 3, astonishing, gratifying, pure, distilled formula. At the Plaza, Saturday, April 25th, around 3.45 p.m. Ah, yes, the big plaza gig. And yes, fruitcake toothpaste, Reverend Fromage W. Panasofsky, and Pawnee Q. Brett. Uh, we did a double bill with my other band, the big, the big band. What were we calling? Or Orgone Box, maybe, or something. Mel sang, and uh, they. Uh, I, I sort of uh, the, like mostly stood on the sidelines and watched. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's like that. Uh, let's see. Oh, wow. What is this? What is this here? What is this here? Oh, well, that's a set list uh, for a Fido 3 set. And this is a little 
mini play. What is this? One, two, three, four, five page. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's a dialogue between PQ and Jules and Guff, who was our friend Guthrie, if I am not mistaken. And uh, it's like a, a, wow, a lost Aztec cafe interlude. I'm going to have to actually quasi-produce this. I mean, it'll be like a reading, but I, I think I ought to put a little bit more into this. It opens, <laughs> yes, it takes place in the Aztec tech cafe and uh, the uh, underlying sound effect is a skipping loop of a jerry garcia guitar solo up and under clinking of silverware on cups yeah this that this is going to be good kids uh but we will set that aside for the moment and uh let's see we should get back to uh well let's play some music and that will lead us back into the shepherd and uh, I will catch you, uh, the, this me, this meta me, will catch you then. kid the other night he said he said shepherd remember i did the thing about Ro new rochelle high that whole thing about how they had their enforced uh, pep sessions for the football team and all that remember that well, you must have been here that night but i did it and uh, he said the next day 500 reporters from life showed up he said you know he noticed they never showed up until it was on your show he said <laughs> 
That's why life's in trouble. This is W.O.R. New York, Jerry. Go on, sit down, for God's sakes, will you? I love you so. I feel very self-indulgent. One great thing about a rainy, cold winter night is that you can be sure very few people are listening. Very few, and I like that. I like that. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was out in the rain. See, it's raining here in New York. It's really driving down. Real driving rain, see. And I'm slogging through the rain, and I'm thinking where all those beautiful people are. By the way, I'd, I'd hate to say this. Um, you know, I, I just just occurred to me that if George Plimpton ever did play, you know, something where he could really... Imagine Plimpton playing, a, let's say, defensive wingman uh, for... <laughs> For the Canadians. <laughs> now, you know, you can't fake that one, can you? I mean, oh, wow. And, uh, you know, you can, can't you see Bobby Orr coming skating in down on him, looking real mean, you know? And he and he whips that, he, he, he takes that stick and he whips it back in and he rifles one from the blue line. And there's a flash of explosion down there, you know? And bam, there's teeth flying all over the place. And the show goes off the air. It's replaced by a rerun of I Love Genie. And uh, they said that it was a very interesting try, but that uh, George was out there, all right. And uh, I can see them announcing the next day at P.J. Clark's, where things like this are taken seriously, it says that George Prompton will be out for the rest of the literary season due to the fact that he got tangled up with a puck last night at the Garden. However, uh, it's uh, unfortunate he's going to have to miss Gloria Steinem's party next week. He will have to miss the uh, thing at the Normie Mailer's house. However, he hopes to be back in shape for the big thing that Jimmy Baldwin is throwing over at Downey's. But uh, <laughs> due to the fractured pelvis, however, he will stick strictly to pretending that he's Bobby Fisher next week. <laughs> Anybody who's ever, played, ever actually played one of those games finds those performances, uh, well, I'd say they, they have a close relationship to Winnie the Pooh. I mean, have you, have you had a feeling in a, that... The Faye the Fay thing is very much part of our time. Well, not Twiggy is Faye. You know what I mean by Faye? Ipsy Poo. Well, yeah, yeah. The Faye the fay appeals to certain people. Faye, spell, spell it out there, friend. Try it. Roll it over your tongue. Faye. That's F-A-Y. I'm not speaking O-Faye. I said Faye. Well, of course, that's another, that's another definition, but nevertheless... Uh, the Faye thing is a big deal, you know, especially big over PJs. They like that kind of thing. That's the, it's it's uh, almost the uh, the uh, end uh, result of, uh, let's put it this way, it's the dying gasp of an old art form called camp, you know. And uh, it is, you know. So uh, it, 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 the Faye is very important only in the, in the time when the Faye is very, very big. Could uh, people take Snoopy seriously, you know? Well, that's Faye, you know. This dog pretending that he uh, <laughs> plays goalie for the Red Wings or whatever, after the Red Baron and all that stuff. That's the Fay world. And uh, you get a, you get a sweatshirt. It has one of these little smiling faces on it, a little moon face. And, and uh, you can fay yourself all up, you know, up and down the street there, whooping and hollering, wearing them pink shoes. And of course, the, the, <laughs> the, whole, the whole world of Fay is a special world. And there are those who do and there are those who don't. And then the do do and them that don't don't. That's a good tune. Let's hear it again. Them to do do and them to don't don't. Yeah. But do 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 
and them that don't, don't. La ta do 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 fay fay fay. La ta oh hold it there, hold it, hold it. That's enough. That's enough, Herbert. That was good. It's enough. Very nice. Don't want to overplay your hand here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the uh, hey, I got. I'm just looking at this list here. This sheet's got all the stuff that Walden, you know, that was written by Henry Thoreau at Walden. Listen to some of the groovy stuff. He says, direct your eye right inward, and you will find a thousand regions in your mind yet undiscovered. Travel them and be expert in home cosmography. Well, see, he blew the whole gaff by using the word that nobody knows what means. Home co- cosmography. Is that a guy that makes his pasta at home or what? says, if a man does not keep pace with his companion... Perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears. Let me a little music there. I'd like to step here. However measured or far away. I find it wholesome to be alone the greater part of the time. To be in company even with the best is soon wearisome and dissipating. I love to be alone. I never found the companion that was so companionable as solitude. Yeah. Now, there's a wet blanket. <laughs> so now there's, you just imagine a guy sitting in the corner at your party saying that kind of stuff. Come on, Henry, please. You know, uh, speaking of uh, pretending, I'm I'm walking along, you know, struggling my way through through uh, the rain here about half an hour ago. It's really coming down. Have you ever been mousetrapped by a rainstorm? I mean, really mousetrapped. I mean, drawn on. It's like nature is saying, come on, buddy, come on. You want to take him? Yeah, let's, I'll take you on, okay, anytime. Well, anybody who's a pilot knows that nobody wins if you decide to take on the weather. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, sir, there's something big out there, right, Herb? Big and mean. Mean. Well, I'm walking along tonight, and the rain is coming down. See, and I said to myself, well, I, I like to, you know, I just felt like it. So I'm walking along 7th Avenue in a driving rain. And it's really, and then all of a sudden it stops. See, I said, "Well, I'm going to catch a, catch a, a subway or a cab or something." Of course, as you know, one of the great mysteries of uh, New York is the fantastic mystery that uh, I, I think it has something with biology or psychobiology, which is a new study. You know, the strange, almost eerie disappearance upon the first emergence of the tiniest drop of water of every cab within a 200-mile radius. It's amazing. And, well, yes, you know, other growing creatures are very similar to this, uh, that uh, any hunter or any fisherman will tell you that rain plays a great role on uh, nature. In fact, I remember one day I'm sitting out there on a lake. Yes, you never know. See, I, I think it has something to do with the cabs. I've I never quite been... Because, you know, let's face it, we're a creature of nature, too. We're not, we're not, uh, you know, we're not created by the IBM computer. Well, no, let's put it this way. Originally, we weren't, no. And, uh, and there's a, little, a lot of things we have to give thankful for. I, I would like to give thankful tonight, uh, a little thankful nod in the direction of, a, of Adolfa Sachs. Saxa, is it pronounced in Saxa Kohlberg? Adolfa Saxa. Have you ever heard of him? Well, you, for those of you who don't know, he lived 1810 to 1879. And uh, he died uh, in a small community outside of Brussels where there is now a beautiful statue to his memory. And Mr. Saxa invented, he was the first man to create sex as we know it today. And uh, the word in, in the Belgium, Saxa, which actually was later anglicized to sex. You know, we are the Angles. We 
constantly lousy at what other people say in our words. So uh, we anglicized it, and the word sex did not emerge in the language until after some of the cosmic discoveries of Adolfo Saxa, Saxa, S-A-X-E, which occurred just prior to the Civil War, around about uh, 1850-51. And uh, his experiments, which were conducted in a haystack outside of Brussels, are today commemorated in the statue. As a, you well see, before that time, oh, there was, of course, uh, reproduction. No, I'm serious, there was. We, uh, we understand there must have been. There was. After all, there were all those pharaohs and all that stuff. They had to come from somewhere. But that the, the concept of sex had never emerged. And uh, so we have to give thankful for a few things, uh, thankful nods. So tonight I would like to do that. And uh, as I walked through the rain, and the rain was driving down on me, I thought about him. And uh, I do, you know, when we, you know, we people who think in terms of abstract concepts, you know, we in medium, <laughs> we have people in media, we do these things. Uh, you know, our mind drifts off. We think these great concepts. And I'm thinking of the statue of Adolphus Saxa there standing in the rain in his town outside of Brussels tonight. And very few people even know what he did for him. All the while they're yipping and hollering and singing and going in and out of those wild-looking movies on 42nd Street, you know, in those places where it says adult at last uncut. And, uh, yeah, they're crowding in to see that stuff, and it all goes back to Mr. Saxa, who invented the concept that we now find is, where would our literature be without him? Nothing. It would be just nothing. Dry shards. It's <laughs> a good phrase, isn't it? Dry shards, wisps of unleavened, unleavened bread, nothing but crust, no body, shards. Well, well, actually, that doesn't really mean what a shard. A shard is more than that, really. Shard. You know what is it, a shard? That's those Greek shoes. You know, they make out of goat hide. You've seen them. They're not good in the rain, but they're kind of good to bring back and give to other people. Don't try to wear them, though. They're no good. But uh, this, we're way off the subject here, because uh, as I'm walking through the rain there, see, and I'm thinking of Adolphus Saxon, I'm thinking of of uh, George Plimpton paying, you know, making a, playing the big play. I mean, after all, it's one thing to play quarterback for a losing ball club, and another thing to, uh, you know, step into the big shoes, really walk all the way up to the top there. And I'm thinking about all these great concepts. And, and I also was curious about how come all the, all the uh, cabs suddenly disappeared. They were gone. Nothing. Nothing on the street. A couple of other struggling wayfarers, struggling battlers. And you see one thing about New York. Of course, New Yorkers are very worried about weather. No city is more concerned over weather than New York. And paradoxically, no city, to my knowledge, has less of it. Very little weather ever hits New York. Hardly any snow. We haven't any snow all year, you know. No snow. And yet New Yorkers are deadly afraid of it. They talk for hours about the weather, and nothing's happening. I know one station that has used the same weather report on tape now for six months. They just keep playing it over and over. Makes no difference. Just the same thing. And uh, yet we're very interested in it. Now, of course, the biological impact of weather upon the human organism, I think, is a very uh, very deep study. It's not yet been scratched. The surface, that is. <laughs> and... Uh, I uh, was walking along there, and I noticed, of course, with my great rapid roving eye, my piercing intellectual, deeply uh, incisive eye, that uh, the, the cabs were gone again, magically, just like that, <coughs> zap, gone. Now, where do they go? Have you ever asked yourself, well, where do the cabs go when the rain comes down? That'd be a great, nice the city belly folk song, because it would deal with real life of ordinary people. 
and uh, the calves are gone completely. I was reminded of the fact that uh, in nature, rain plays a great role upon the daily walking around creature. Now, I'll give you an example for that. I was sitting in a lake one day, you know, well, I'm actually sitting in a lake. I was in a, well, in a way I was. This boat that I was in is a bad rented boat, and they often leak, and I'm sitting there with the water sloshing around my feet, and I've been out there for about three days, and I haven't had, you know, I haven't had nibble one, and I've cast in everything. See, I'm after the Wiley Bass. You remember Wiley? He used to have that rock group, great group. And, uh, yeah, of course he got all tangled up with William Morris. <laughs> William Morris and the MCAs. That'd be kind of a good swing and rock group. That You know, a little chauvinism there never hurts anybody. And uh, do, do you ever use uh, that new... Have you ever tried really fresh ground chauvinism instead of the old stuff that comes in the boxes? It's good, yeah. You grind it up with a little wooden stamper there. And it's good. You mix it with salads, especially with the... What are those little round black things you put in salads? Uh, those are not shards, no. I told you, those are Greek shoes. Uh, those little round things. Uh, uh, pinots. No, what are they? They come in a jar, little round things. And then, No, no, not peppers. No, no, the little round things. Uh, come on. Chives? No, 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 no. That's not a chive. <laughs> chive's an old dance form that they used to dance down the Lower East Side. Oh, they out chiving again. You remember that? Oh, you know, that was uh, Jimmy Dorsey and all that stuff. No, 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 that's way out. You're you're going back in time so far. The only You'd have to be a mummy to still... Have you noticed some of these uh, some of these records, these nostalgic records that are on, you know, they're always advertising on TV? To have memories brought back by some of them, you'd have to be a full-fledged mummy. I mean, really, you'd have to be 112 years old and also a cretin at that. To have uh, to have the you know memories brought back by some turkeys that they're playing there with the accordions and all that, but <laughs> yeah, well you know I'm not uh, taking any uh, stand here. It's no point. But now what are those things? Those little round things. Come on, now, it's bothering me because this is essential to the story. Little round things. You put them in a salad, and then once in a while they use them on hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. As uh, my father always used to think, it was very funny to call them horses doovers. <laughs> that was his big joke. So, oh, horses do, because he, that was a fake, because he really didn't know how to say it. So he figured by saying it funny, everyone would laugh, and he'd get by with it. And until somebody did serve him a horse's doover, and that was the end of that ball game. <laughs> and it was terrible. It wasn't even smoked. It was raw. You mind if I dance a little here? Contemplate the infinite. Yes, soft, sweet music drifting in through the air conditioner. Come, my dear, I shall fill your glass. Sit closer to me and we will talk about, yes, golden things. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't pay any attention to the strolling troubadours out the window, honey, no. Yeah, we just, uh, oh, thank you. Reset that, if you will, please. Yes, sir. We've just got a uh, note here what those things are. Pinots? Oh, no, no, no. A caper is the thing they do in a Sam Spade book. Come on. What are you talking about? You've heard of the big golden glove caper and all that. I know about that. Capers, that's ridiculous. Come on, what is it? Then? Why am I dealing constantly? Who was it? Marcel Proust. Marcel Proust, who invented that hairdo that ladies used to go and get, you know? 
Yeah, there's a you know you you read you read F. Scott Fitzgerald. He's always talking about Marcel jazz babies and stuff like that. Well, Proust, this Marcel Proust invented that hairdo, and he also invented a thing too, a phrase: "We shall all be undone by knaves and fools." He says, "I shall see that on my headboard, or on my uh, my uh, what is it? The thing? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's a thing he puts his boots on, a boot jack, right?" And he said, "We shall be undone by fools and knaves." And some clown called in and said, "Capers." A caper is what happens in a Travis McGee book. Yeah, I knew right away. I knew instantly that he was up to no good. I wondered what the caper was. So I hit him in the gut. I kicked him in the groin. Gave him a couple of shots to the throat. Two chops across the back of the neck. And I said, tell me. Now let me know what that caper is going to be. Gasping with blood squirting from his eyeballs. He said, yeah, Sam. I'll tell you what it's about. That's what a caper is. That's kind of nice, wasn't it? Doing that well done. <laughs> they don't talk like this on two meter FM, do they? Yeah. Well, of course, the difference is talent. Thank you. Hold it there. Hold it there. I do not like rank. Oh man, when Shepard gets a riff and it, it just rolls sometimes. What a, what a guy, and uh, and he loves. Did you hear him? He says he loves when very few are listening my kind of guy and uh, you do know that Adolf Sax invented the saxophone but uh, the idea that he invented sax well you know that, that that's another great riff uh, very shepherd-esque in a way yeah he would he would like come up with some fake fact and just roll with it and never correct himself and the, the other thing he would do quite often is he would start asking trivia questions. But the really good ones that he would ask, if nobody would phone in and give him the answer and nobody on the crew knew the answer, he'd never actually tell the answer unless it was pertinent to the, you know, the story he was spinning. But more often than not, he leaves the listener just hanging and of course i'm running to google and wikipedia trying to figure out whether it's and often enough it's not quite he is a raconteur after all and uh, he did not invent the sex uh let's see let's see what's been going on in uh, the youtube watching aside from just the utter what uh, chaos uh, <laughs> politically and socially that is going on. Uh, oh, um, cartoonist Kayfabe is going over the very early days of Image Comics. Now, Image Comics, for those of you, uh, and probably more people don't know what that was all about than do anymore because it was so long. 30 years ago, Image Comics launched and what it was was all of the pretty much top marvel artists uh todd mcfarland who had been doing incredible uh with spider-man and selling lots of books for them rob leefield who uh, was doing x books for them mark silvestri just a bunch of the top guys from marvel decided to band together and start their own company and it's still going today and i think at this point they might be making more money than marvel comics 
uh, that it, it's out. That's completely outside of my wheelhouse. Because for me, most image comics, I mean, for kids, I guess they're great. There's not a heck of a lot to read. Lots of great pictures and artwork. Lots of action. And, you know, that's what a comic book is supposed to be, in, in my mind. I mean, uh, that, that they are escaping. It's escapism. It is not uh, some sort of social indoctrination form although some people today think it might be. But cartoonist Kayfabe has been doing some interesting videos and uh, watching that. Uh, watching really early uh, live and listening to really early live Grateful Dead. I don't know. I've been in that pig pen mood once again. And, of course, uh, trying to keep up without, like, overwhelming myself with this goofy, hoopy Goldberg thing, but... Uh, I'm pretty, I can have some pretty extreme opinions, and I'll stand up for anybody. I'll stand up for Hoopy if she's willing to stand up for other people who have unpopular opinions. Oh, you mean she isn't willing to stand up for people with oddball opinions? Just hers. That's, that's, that's somebody else's problem there. Uh... And there's a show that's on Netflix that, you know, because I am completely out of the loop in popular culture in the mainstream, unless I just happen across it in my usual paths and review people I watch. But I, I miss this somehow. And I, I'm not even sure. I, I'm going to have to look at it more. The House. It's a Netflix series. Or, uh, oh, it was a special, apparently musical nightmare and i saw a couple of clips from it and yeah I, i'm gonna have this what i'm seeing is it, it's like in the same family as uh, tim burton's nightmare after christmas those halloween uh, there was just something about them that it was overwhelming and the music was show tuney and this was leaning that way, but yeah, I'm going to have to give it a little more time because uh, I, I really am too prone sometimes to dismiss things and it's worth taking a few minutes. But uh, yeah, that's uh, just rolling around a lot of jazz. I've been uh, Bud Powell and the Charlie Mingus Quartet and Tibby's Jazz Festival, July 1960. I mean, Bud Powell was one of these incredible jazz piano players and the Charlie Mingus Quintet. I mean, Mingus always had his hand-picked players and uh, his bass playing and other instrument playing. He played a wicked piano, but I suspect with Bud Powell in the house. Oh, and Eric Dolphy and uh, Booker Irwin are uh, with the Mingus Quintet at this point in time. So, yeah, if you like uh, really good jazz, uh, that's that's one that you should definitely have marked down or uh, to scooch back, mark it down, take a second. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. That's the miracle of podcasting. Made another attempt at enjoying the Animal Collective, which is a band that 
by for all intents and purposes uh, that this is a band that uh, if I read about them I should like but uh, in actual practice while I don't it's another band that while I don't dislike them it just kind of hangs there and uh, if I was going to put music on I would never be drawn they're certainly not dismissible but I'm not adding them to my favorites neither and they're not adding me to theirs oh oh oh, yeah 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 the honking uh the 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 canada the truckers are all uh shutting down the border and in ottawa and they're being nice and canadian which is apparently infuriating the mainstream media and they're having to like fabricate awful things that they're doing or something. I mean, the accusation was that they were defacing statues and the only thing they did was on one, they stuck a t-shirt and, I mean, they were goofing around, but then they cleaned the darn thing and made it cleaner. They put it back nicer than it was and what they did to it wasn't some horrible defacement or insult of the spirit of the monument in the first place, maybe? I don't know. It wasn't toppling it over. Uh, and, yeah. And, you know, when Canada is doing this, it's, that that's just kind of shocking and making me think. But what I'm going to think, Lord knows. I mean, every day they add a bunch of factors. So even if I think I've come to some conclusion, I I know better. Uh, I for two years now I know better. I have to coming to any conclusion in this is a sucker bet. And uh, while I I am a prone to such things, we're going to uh, let this particular one. Lay. And yeah, yeah, I, I am just endlessly fascinated by John Deacon, the bassist from the band Queen, who he's really, he decided he's done. Uh, it would appear that he's just not comfortable on stage without Freddie there. That presence and whatever dynamic was happening there was what he loved doing, and why he did music. And he's fortunate in that he did this for many years, um, achieved a great deal, and he doesn't have to anymore. And that he doesn't, uh, that uh, good on him. Uh, when I saw a video uh, with Brian May uh, talking about it and the last time he played which was what i think 1997 now would be good on mr deacon a little more shepherd yeah let's listen to the rest of this silly sentimentality no however you know i don't mind a little sentimentality but it's the rank silly sentimentality that bothers me However, uh, I wish somebody would tell me what the... Now, now it's really bugging me what those little round things are they put in salads. <laughs> Caper. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> uh, no, I, no, no, they're not pinto beans. Not, not, that's not the same thing. Pinto beans. Pinto beans. Yeah, I've had pinto beans. You've had them, haven't you? 
Cloud your glasses up with a little chili powder on that and blow the top of your head off. I've had Pinto Beans friends so so mean, so mean with the right kind of stuff in them. Boy, your soul shrivels. But nevertheless, it's an experiment. One must search. And what are those little things? I say I cannot continue the story until I find out what those little things are put in salads. They also occasionally put them on uh, on uh, liver pate or liver pate, if you prefer. And uh, they, they put them on those little rich crackers and they hand them to you. A little, at first, when I first came to New York, they were giving me these things all the time. I thought they were soft babies. But uh, I'm not talking about... No caviar. No, 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 no. Caviar. That's ridiculous. Caviar. <laughs> uh, caviar. What is, isn't it? Isn't it uh, there's a phrase that deals with caviar. I think it has to do with flinging caviar before the hogs. Isn't there something like that? Or is it flinging pearl onions before the hogs? I, I never could figure out the, what the meaning of that phrase was or if it had any meaning at all. But so much has no meaning, really. It's just a non sequitur, as, uh, as the late Ernie Kovacs used to put it. But uh, it is a non sequitur, and the lady's just called up and says, Shepherd is right. That uh, caper is a thing that occurs in the Travis McGee book. <laughs> but she doesn't know what those little round things are. She says they keep getting caught in her teeth, too. So, uh... I don't know. I mean, I've often wondered about that. You know, speaking of uh, speaking of that, uh, I you know, it's, it's uh, like this friend of mine who has this thing on uh, maraschino cherries. You've had those maraschino cherries? Well, I was surprised to learn that they're not real cherries at all. They're made out of a plastic composition. That uh, that's why they call them maraschino. Invented by this Giuseppe Maraschino, who was a, he was the Dupont. Yes, we're getting another report here. I'm sorry, it's coming in then. I I see it. Uh, a chickpeas? No, 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 no. And I also want to say this. I do not think that obscenity plays any part in what we're dealing with. It is not nothing to do with what we're talking about. The chickpea is not a thing that is not certainly put in an elegant salad. It might be put in the kind of salad you go to when you get down there with that hog chitlin and them, them bone marrows. All that soul food maybe to put chickpeas on. But we're talking about uptown real food, Right those little things with the liver pate. But I don't want to get into this. This is getting beyond the scope of the present lecture. However, tonight as I'm walking along through the rain, it's drifting down. It's dripping down around my ears. Wasn't there a song that got raindrops falling on my head? And raindrops were falling on my head. And I'm just thinking about the raindrops are falling on my head. la ta and I noticed that there wasn't a single cab. And I thought about that time I was sitting in the lake there. You didn't think I was getting back to it, right? Oh, I'm sitting in the lake there, and I'm fishing for the bass. And all of a sudden, the rain comes down like that. Boom. It comes down so hard, I could hardly believe it, almost instantaneously. And I figured, I'm done. This boat is going to sink. I can't make it. And I start rowing the shore like crazy, you know. And, I, and I'm really fighting it. The rain is coming down. And just as the rain hit, Bam! I get the fantastic strike, and there I am fighting about an 18-pound smallmouth bass with the rain coming down, and uh, of course, it's ridiculous. You know, I didn't land him. I didn't, of course. He beat in the bottom of the boat, and he ran after me, and I ran up the shore, and he's nipping at my feet, and I could see the reason why. It was because the rain was coming down, and so it's quite obvious that rain does play a strong and important part in the biological drives that deal with the organism as it exists today and as it has existed throughout all the given marching centuries as man evolved 
from the tiny amoeba. And as the tiny amoeba has always regretted that he never did go on and make it big, you know, with MCA and William Morris and form his own rock group, his man evolved from the tiny amoeba as he came out of the slime, the antediluvian slime of time gone, lost and gone ages and eons, the era when the world was a revolving, gigantic, hot meatball of lava. Little did they suspect, little at that time did they suspect, that it would all wind up the way it has wound up. Hey, you know how it's wound up. Come on. And so, let's go, man, as we march, 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 march. Haul it, Herb. Haul it, haul it. Haul it, haul it, haul it. Haul it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. It's right on the tip of my tongue. They are, uh, are, uh, hmm. It was on the tip of my tongue, and I'm not even... You see, it's disappeared again, like so many things. Those little round things. Capers. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> Silly. Ridiculous. <laughs> well, I can understand the confusion, you know. It's uh, easy to understand that confusion. But uh, I would like to say, however, that as I marched through the rain tonight, it was coming down, I'm thinking of Plimpton playing the Pope and thinking how groovy it would be to watch that. And you hear these Gregorian chants. You could get, you could get the, say, the Led Zeppelin... To, to do the Gregorian champs behind it. You know, really great. Do it up good, you know, full technical. In fact, they could even turn out an LP later. And uh, George could make a ceremonial appearance at Yankee Stadium, you know. And uh, I was thinking about that, and the rain was coming down. I wonder whether the rain was causing me to think like that, see? Whether it was just, uh, you know, due to the fact that I'm a biological, poor old biological uh, jot and the great moat in the eye of Buddha, and I'm struggling along. The rain is dripping down my ears. And I'm thinking about the, those little round things that they put on the liver pate. Oh, yes. No, no, no. No, it is not dill. No, no. Heavens, no. Dill. I don't know. Dill, dill is a soap. And uh, you wash with dill soap. I, 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 down there, I was in this motel. And, in fact, I, I asked this guy at the motel, I said, that funny soap you got there. And it's down, down in Chicopee, Mississippi. And I, on, on, on the road, you know, it's funny. I did he bring up the subject of dill. And I said... I said to him, I said, what's this funny soap you got here? It's got this hexachloropini in it. And he said, hexachloropini was dill soap. He said, you know, you see that TV. He said, be sure and use dill soap. So I said, oh, yeah. So if you're confused, it's not. I don't think many people put dill in their salads. Not that kind of dill anyway. And I, uh, that's not what I'm talking. Dill isn't little round things anyway. If I, if I remember correctly, dill are little like pieces of black wire. But uh, that's not what I'm talking about. And I don't want to be disturbed here because I'm thinking a great thought. It's it's coming and it's just coming. I can almost see it there. I can reach out and feel it. It's like a great big cheesecake coming out of out of the great great void. I can see it. I, there it is. It's coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see it now. It's it's coming. It's very clean now. Oh, doggone it! It went away again. Doggone it! All them flags flying, them horns blowing, bugles blowing, blatting away. There it goes. I just about had that idea right in my grasp, and it's gone again. I'll, I'll get it, though. Yeah, I remember that guy. He says to me, he says, you know, you, what you do, he says, that hexychloropene stuff, he said, put it in that dill soap. You, you did dill soap. And I he said, you take a shower with that stuff, and he says, it, it'll make, uh, give you 24-hour protection. I said, against what? He said, well, he don't say, he said, actually. <laughs> 
But it ain't the kind of protection you think, he said, son. He said, because I got in trouble not long after I took one of it. But that's another story. So I don't want to burden you with serious contemplative things at this hour. Yes, folks, it's March time. It's time to get up and straighten out your kneecaps. It's time to pull in your gut. It's time for marches. March around your television set now. March around your stereo set there, around your AR speakers. Yes, it's March time. Come on, let's go, March. Bring it up there, please. March time. Come on, let them feet go up and down. After all, you can really break your lease now. Really, thump them feet. Let's go. Boom, 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 and so tonight's program has been a special salute to that poor little misunderstood creature, the guinea pig. Yes, for those of you who have grown to love and admire, to appreciate and to honor the true meek of the earth, the guinea pig, tonight's program has been a salute to the guinea pig. I once met a great guinea pig named Porter Wagner. And he just sat there and didn't do nothing but squeak and holler and eat lettuce. And by God, that's meek, friends. And that may be the meek that's going to inherit the earth. It may be the cockroaches and the guinea pigs. So tonight, as a special service, we have saluted George Plimpton. We have saluted uh, them little round things that you put on the liver pate. We have saluted the rain. We have saluted the cabs. We saluted an 18-pound fish who once chased me 400 feet up the yard there, beat my boat in before he did it. And we've also saluted the lowly guinea pig who may outlast all of us. So good night, Crocker Wagner, wherever you are. Or is it Porter Wagner? Or P.K. Wrigley? It's kind of hard to remember at this time. We have Lester Smith and the news coming up. Oh, man, Lester Young and the news. Of course, they were later known as Huey Lewis and the news. I bet you didn't know that, but uh, a little bit of trivia for the Quake Reversal satellite listener in all of us. And um, all of us deep down inside, I bet in your heart of hearts, it's right there listening at this very moment. And uh, me... I'm here, I got this script that I now have to do a production of, which, I don't know. What voice do I use for jewels? What voice do I use for guff? I think it's only three parts. But, uh, yeah, we got that we actually went through a decent part of this spiral-bound notebook. And it wasn't so awful. It's keeping score of some sort here, but I'm, I don't know what that is. Uh, no, 
email addresses with no connecting anything. Uh, would you look at that? Yeesh. Now, that's a line from this play here. Anyways, uh, now I'm just being diddly-doodly. And uh, that that was just kind of great. Uh, and no, I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, I th thought maybe capers, but capers are hard little things. And uh, I, I just got no idea. But I, really, if that wasn't a master class in the art... Uh, of, excuse me there, filling a specific amount of time with monologue and material uh, in an expert fashion. That, that, that was just, I mean, he, half the time he was really just going without any real particular, but it was working. Uh, that's, that, that is a remarkable thing. I can't uh, do that for an extended period of time. Frank kind of but Frank usually has some substantive material behind him he isn't off on some deep long performance that may or may not go anywhere uh, but he's committed to it uh, that's that that's what Shepard does in shows like this unless I'm like completely fabricating this in my head in some uh, idolization mode, which is also possible. But in any case, this was a fun episode of the Quake Reversal Satellite, and uh, we're, we keep chugging along. Uh, no one ever knows when there will be another episode, uh, hopefully sooner than later. I've been listening. I am telling you, uh, the ones on the onsug, you go over to uh, our uh, pages on archive.org and right now I am in the second uh, chronological month incoming shows June 2016 which is on Sug Radio 903 and there's just some gr a great variety of stuff uh, there's a bunch of of course overnightscapes and overnightscape centrals uh, only three Quake Reversal Satellite Night Projects, which uh, that I didn't even do one a week back then. So it's pretty much, you know, sometimes I do it that way. Um, here in Heck, a an episode called Creativity, a half hour with the artist Shaman and Twyla. A bunch of Radio Free Shambles, uh, some stuff with Jimbo and Shambles. And uh, he was doing a Lum and Abner Showcase series, which uh, chronologically was presenting every episode of Lum and Abner, which is another of these great old-time radio shows with a very small cast. But uh, it was a daily, ongoing story that rambled and was silly and did crazy tie-ins with their um, sponsors. Uh, I really get a kick out of a lot of those. And even a few episodes of Shambles' Constant uh, Tapestry and a special Bob Lasseter episode that's almost two hours long. Uh, the Lincoln Continental. Uh, 
that's another thing. Uh, the, on the uh, Overnightscape Central, each and every week, we used to do, and I used to try to do, and Jimbo did it. And Jimbo actually took over for a while before he took over the whole show doing the Week in Review. And uh, I am seriously considering as much extra thinking and note-taking as that may be. It really does, listening back to these old ones, kind of make the whole Overnightscape Underground tie together just that much more. So uh, that is uh, at least, uh, we're, we're getting meta again, uh, under consideration here. Um, what else? A bunch of, uh, let's see, three Midnight Citizens, a bi-coastal Becky. And Becky showed up on the exit ramp. I hadn't seen her in ages. It was just, it was nice seeing Becky. She is uh, the only OnSug host who actually so far has come to Truth or Consequences and uh, met PQ River. Uh, a very brave person, let me tell you. No one else... But like like we're on the way to anywhere. She had, had to go a few hours out of her way, both coming and going to visit here. And uh, I hope that, I mean, I'm just my social uh, incapacities. Uh, I only hope that she had a nice time. She still talks to me. That's a good sign. Uh, the two monthly, oh, three this time, because Fusebox runs every two weeks. Uh, yeah, at this point, uh, Jimbo is even doing some cool stuff with them. And I, I like Fusebox, and I like Mark. Uh, and I understand why their show tends to be uh, on a heavy political bend, but I'm... That, that's... I don't watch Saturday Night Live either. Uh, and some Ruben Erd shows. So, yeah, you could just, you you don't got what to listen to. You've got plenty to listen to. And uh, I've driveled on enough. So, uh, without any further babblement, I'm setting the controls and you can join me for the heart of the fun.